Welcome back, friends. Today, our guest is Barry Dillon, who is the program manager at Venture Out Wilderness Project, a registered charity and social enterprise based in the west of Ireland. Barry spent many years teaching adventure sports in places such as Honduras, Mexico, Asia, and South America, and returned to Ireland 10 years ago to spread the expertise and wisdom he learned to the young people of Ireland. In this podcast, we unpack his experience with the natural world, working with young people outdoors, and the specific programs Venture Out provide. Some of these programs have helped people that haven't yielded much benefit from traditional talk therapy, and I hope this serves as some inspiration for those who feel that nothing is working to help their mental health, their relationship with themselves, and the wider world. I invited Barry on because as a youth worker myself, I see firsthand the lack of time many young people spend outdoors, and I sense that this has broader repercussions than we are quite aware of right now. So I strongly support the work he and his team are doing at Venture Out. Please see the links below for more information of their upcoming events. And as always, thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, our guest is Barry Dillon from Venture Out. Barry, what's the crack? How are you keeping? Good, lads. Thanks for having me. No, uh, thanks for agreeing to come on. Uh, I came across Venture Out maybe four months ago, and since then I've been really interested in what you guys are doing. Um, but before we get into that, could you tell us a bit about yourself, Barry? Yeah, great to, great to hear that we're slowly, our roots are spreading a little bit, um, and people are starting to learn a little bit about who we are. Um, so yeah, no, my name is Barry. I'm originally from Kells in Mead and relocated over to the um to the west of Ireland a little bit over fifteen years ago, having travelled after college and getting into outdoor adventure sports. I returned to Ireland. There was a little bit of time between kind of uh resettling where I kind of had aspirations of maybe living abroad, but I, I was very connected to, to Ireland, very close family and friends and stuff. So um I came back to Ireland and decided to, you know, try and make a living out of out of outdoor um facilitation and guiding and and then I kind of fell into youth work and social care. And I've married the two, I suppose, in in the creation of Venture Out, which is a, a very quick whistle stop tour as to how I ultimately came to, you know, help found Venture Out, but it's it's very much the merging of it, it, my own personal passion for outdoor activities um probably in the earlier days more adrenaline filled adventure activities you know I really enjoy kite surfing and um mountaineering and um but maybe it's age or maybe it's an appreciation of the simpler things um but just the connection with nature now I can really see the value in that as well so it's it's lovely to to bring the two together um the idea of of supporting people in a social care capacity be it through youth work or family support and then at the same time being able to to deliver our programs through the outdoors and to be able to be out in nature as we deliver our practice so that's a little bit about about where i'm coming from and you know where where we are right now thanks for that barry i uh i don't know if i mentioned to you before but i'm actually currently working as a youth worker and I'm intrigued to to see to hear about your experience. Was it that was it that you were working with the young people, and that you were kind of um, shown very clearly that there was this lack of 
time in the natural world with the young people or or was it more like like you said i have this big passion but i also care about young people how can i bring it in well i i was predominantly in the outdoor field guiding and instructing and it was very skills focused you know people would uh, i'd engage with youth groups and my job was to teach them skills around how to become a kayaker and map reading and um it was very skills focused but actually what i really enjoyed was the interaction with them and the personalities and, and seeing what they got out of it it was just for me it was you know plenty of my my colleagues in the early days during our training remained in in the facilitation or the guiding and the skills development piece where for me i maybe just got a bit more of a kick out of the in the, in the impact it was having on on their social and emotional uh, skills as opposed to just the technical aspect of it so mm. i i came from the outdoors into into youth work and when i first joined the youth work sector i was introduced to lots of different mediums you know the arts the technology and I, and i went on little journeys i did a lot of a lot of training programs with the nyci and linked in with different organizations to, to learn a little bit about STEM and how things like Coder Dojo and, and, and technology, how that could how that could be delivered in youth work. But I obviously my passion was was outdoors and you know, outdoors and nature engagement. And that's where I was most comfortable. So what I started doing is delivering my practice in the outdoors and, and I could see I could see the impact it was having and did the difference it was making to some of the young people in our youth project when you brought them outdoors, like quite often it was just a completely different personality. You'd see, um, they weren't bouncing off the walls. Their energy was was different. Uh, they were they were engaged in a in a much different way. So, um, it's probably where the idea of venture out was born. Was through those early interactions in youth work and social care where I could see, God, oh, there's there's a certain cohort here that need this, that when we bring them outside, they become completely different characters. And the ones that would be so difficult to to manage and engage in an indoor setting became the kind of the star pupil when they were in the forest and they were swinging off a hammock or, you know, doing a little bit of bushcraft. They were the ones who were right in the middle of it. And, and it's just it's just brilliant. And, and, and we just recognized that very early on. So, um. So yeah, it was it was probably outdoors first, and then recognizing the value of the outdoors in in youth work. I it was really interesting actually for you contemplating where the outdoors sat in youth work maybe fifteen years ago. I I I really I clearly remember an application form through a local um through a local organization who are who are one of our main funders at the moment. But at that time, they had an application form for small activity grants. And at the bottom, it said, we won't fund outdoor activities because they didn't, they didn't, it hadn't been represented particularly well up to that point. Uh, Maybe the evaluations that were undertaken afterwards or the, the analysis of the benefits that they had on the participants just hadn't been, hadn't been sold to the funders. And maybe that's because there was a real focus on on skills development and and technical development, where in the last couple of years, I think the Irish providers have really ramped it up and started to showcase what we can do 
when you marry youth work delivered through the outdoors as opposed to a youth project just visiting an, an adventure center to learn a couple of kayaking skills um so i just think it's it's really nice to see the evolution of the funding landscape in ireland that funders and policymakers are getting behind it now because there's organizations like ourselves that are they're delivering this sort of stuff but then backing it up with evidence and research and showing that this is this is exactly how we do it and the benefits it has barry i wanted to ask a quick question um i was wondering if you kind of i'm sure you have suffered with the problem of kind of enticing people outside and get them to really appreciate especially younger people get them to appreciate what it is to be outside because i for i for one grew up in a kind of rural area and when i was younger all I wanted to do was to grow up uh, and get into the concrete jungle, for want of a better term. And I now live in Madrid, so I suppose you could say dream accomplished in that sense. You know, obviously, uh, Jim over here obviously lives in Dublin, again, another um, you know big city, though obviously close to the beach and all the rest of it. But still, you know, in the day-to-day times, it's just concrete all around. And I feel like, especially you were saying, as, as you've got older, you've started to appreciate more maybe the simplicity or you don't need to do all these massive... Um, huge events and you know the kite surfing and such forth um but i was wondering if you find it kind of sometimes challenging to convince sometimes young people that actually just simply going into the forest and, and you know doing things that maybe deemed as more simple or maybe to them initially potentially boring right or something that's like oh well, we, i could do that every day of the week that actually that has like a benefit and actually it's not all about you know moving to these big cities and, and actually that we it's so important for us to have that natural landscape um at our, at our doorsteps and that where we can really access it i think um i i look young people have mass generalization coming in out here at the moment but it's i mean they're they're attracted to uh something new and exciting and it captures their attention and it's filled with you know energy and possibly fueled by adrenaline and for younger lads, maybe it needs to have elements of risk, and you know, you know, for maybe some of the older cohorts, the young adults, you know, they learn through elements of stress and fear. Uh, so we have to design programs for that young age group that you're talking about, which is exciting. Um, and we found that if we if we bring a group into a forest and we deliver a forest bathing activity. They, they just there's a fairly good chance they won't engage with the idea of going straight in and practicing mindful walking or you know practicing a sit spot and and connecting with your senses. But if you if you deliver if you front load it with exciting somewhat risky activities, then you have their attention and then they're more inclined to kind of buy into what you're selling, which is the you know let, let's talk about the health benefits of just taking a walk in nature. And instead of going to the gym on the treadmill, do your jog in the in the local woodland or the forest. And, and, and you know, so there's I, I think you have to be honest as well that young people are going to be attracted by certain elements that our programs need to have. And I think that's what's that's what's driven us in a lot of ways to um, design programs for young men. We, we have a we have a schools program at the moment called our Two Wolves Schools Program. And it's it's funded through the Irish Youth Foundation and VHI. But we go into second second level schools and we work with fourth, fifth and sixth years uh, men. And it's around healthy masculinity. But we bring them outdoors. We light a fire. We hand them all a knife. We do some whittling with hazel. And straight away you have them. They're just, wow, this is like, this is different. We're not in school, you know. These lads trusted us to light a fire and they've given us a knife. So it's almost like, 
what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about, lads? You, you have us, you know, and and then once they're out there, some of the conversations that emerge and um, some of the topics you dis- you explore and you discuss, uh, it it's 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 what you'd hope it would be. But I don't know if it would be there without the without the fire lighting and the you know the the kind of the risky behaviour of of whittling or doing bushcraft activities. So um, I think you, I think for young people, there's probably a a view of some of the simpler nature engagement activities. No different to when I was younger. That you know I'll get to those when I'm a bit older. But they do want the bright lights and as you said the concrete jungle and they're attracted to that type of that type of stuff. So I suppose we need to come up with creative ideas as to how we can sell it to them for 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 the expedition programs that we run at the moment so we deliver some wilderness based extended wilderness expeditions usually anywhere between 4 to 7 days and what we found is that young men between 18 and 24 who were engaged with probation drug and alcohol services coming out of treatment um those linked with mental health services they're really, they're really up for trying what we're selling, which is come away with us. We're going to go camping for five days. We're going into the mountains. We're going to be doing all these kind of risky, challenging activities. And that's what they buy into. And then next thing they find themselves three days into a really intense personal development program where you're, you're talking about emotions and relationships and feelings, and they completely buy into it. But I don't know if you'd get them to buy into it if it was in a local resource center in a counseling room um so i think i think there's something there around the the uh the, the creative nature of how you design a program which which is attractive to that cohort and barrett just, we've, we've had guests on um we spoke about druidry um about earthing um so we've kind of got all different like perspectives on on, on the outside connection on what it is to connect with with the earth but i wonder you talk about that buy-in that you get right from these people who kind of they probably don't think that they were gonna they were gonna buy into it in that way they could probably, like you said they're kind of in for it for the invention and then, like you said three days in they're uh, talking about their personal development and such forth what it just from your own experience from someone who's been out out in the wild so to speak for for probably a lot more than the vast majority of us have what is it that you think the outside world why why does it help facilitate those types of those types of conversations and and help facilitate that kind of opening between potential strangers that like you say and i fully agree with you that maybe with sat in a kind of a, a room you know with your four walls it's a lot if not impossible a lot harder anyway to come kind of to come by that opening and that that kind of almost trust that kind of comes with being in with the outside what is it from your experience do you think that facilitates that uh, like there's there's so many um there's so many research papers at the moment trying to figure out the they call it the black box of adventure therapy or they're like we know there's all these variables in there, but we can't just put our finger on what is the one big driving force. Like what's the, you know, you've got your theory of change, which is you bring a group into the outdoors, you deliver a personal development experience, you challenge them and um, you surround them in a safe environment of, of participants who are supportive and positive. Um, the facilitator and the guide is co-adventuring. So you're you're not a kind of a an expert or a 
a distant figure you're actually on the they can see you getting wet and sleeping on rough ground and eating the same food out of the transia so there's all these variables and i think different things mean different things to different people um as to what what it is that creates the change Uh, but broadly speaking um i think there's an informality about it like i I was at an event yesterday and I found myself, we were just about to be brought up onto stage to speak to, I'm not sure if you know Rory from Rory Stories, he was doing an event for Recovery Week and we were brought up and um, quite nervous just before we went up on stage and I said to my colleague, I said, I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit nervous, but I guarantee if it was outdoors and it was in a kind of surrounded by mountains, we, we don't have that same um I don't know, there's not that same structural societal boundaries or something. So I think there's an informality about going into the outdoors. There's a freedom. So if you facilitate one of these workshops in an outdoor space, you're surrounded by nature, you're surrounded by, you know, movement all the time and um, be it the wind or the weather conditions or the trees or just the scale of the mountains in the background. So there's something there around uh, the informality, the freedom, and the openness of of the environment, which which just lends itself really nice to creating that space. I think for for us, if I was just to focus on the wilderness expeditions, I think there's something there around when you're in nature, you really strip things back. So you've you don't have a big trailer full of stuff with you. It's just you and your backpack and the lads with you and, and, and you're walking on a journey. And, you know, usually the phone isn't out. There's no connection or there's no reception or people don't have batteries. And it's very much you're there together in that moment. You've you've also made a commitment to be there. And we just find that that just, again, it's, it, it just means that people are in a different headspace when they're with you. Uh, there's... It, it it just it just creates a it it just creates a, an opportunity for people to be a, in a different headspace. I suppose is probably the the best way to describe it. Um. So yeah, no, look, that I've gone off on a real kind of circular tangent there, telling you all about the different variables that are linked to adventure therapy. But um, some of the simpler programs we run, I think there's elements of movement in all the programs we deliver. So you, you kind of have to walk to get to the spaces. Seems quite simple, but um, the idea of movement just releases different chemicals in your body and it just makes you feel and think differently. So some of the one-to-one stuff that we do with young kids in care, we, we won't do too much chatting at the start. We'll just get them moving. And there'll be a lot of shoulder-to-shoulder walking and talking which I and the talk that comes out is like you would not get that in a youth project, in a counseling room, uh, in a coffee shop. But when you're out and you're surrounded by nature and the elements and you're moving and there's physical activity involved, I just think it's a it's it's a different uh, it's it's a different perspective people take on and a different a different mind frame entirely. I think nature plays a massive part in that, but I'm only really touching on that. When I was hearing you speak, Barry, uh, what came to mind is I've heard several people talk about this like fine line between order and chaos that we all need. 
and it feels uh, very apt right now where you're in the wilderness, right? There's potential chaos, right? And it's taken time to get there. And it's not, it's not as safe as young people usually are, as in, in four walls, you know, if you fall, you can do this. If you can do it, there's a, there's a bit of like, oh, we have to play by some thin line here. We have to follow certain rules because it's very important to our well-being. But there's still that safety that they know that Barry or the other co-facilitator has them if there's, um, if there's any real danger. What do you think about that? We have a... Yeah, look, I, I, a couple of years ago, there was, there was a, a guy teaching us remote emergency care and he had a great expression, which is like, you want, out, you want everyone you bring out to be having an adventure. He says, as soon as you start having an adventure, you know you're in trouble. So, so there is that element that we always want them to believe that this is, we're doing this too, you know, we're like, this is the first time we've been here and, you know, the weather could turn at any minute. And I think that does lend an element of, excitement to the process you know it's just different um and for a lot of participants who engage in our programs be it on a one-to-one level or group level this is different for them they've never done stuff like this so there's just a there's just a level of excitement and uncertainty when you're out in nature you don't know what the weather is going to do next um you know if it's sun is shining you're like this is great and you're like you never know you know you got your kind of anything could happen and people are kind of minding their step and if you've if, if you're delivering a any type of a risky activity that gets people's uh, you know their 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 attention kind of up and they're a little bit more energized by that idea so i do i do agree yeah there's 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 an element of uncertainty for sure which you don't get in an indoor setting and that's physiologically that's got to do something different to your brain to your head um so yeah i think uh, i think that's a that's a nice i hadn't i hadn't fully kind of put my finger on that one before but you're, you're dead right well, like you said it's like this massive box and does everyone has their own hot take maybe about what works for them and what could potentially be working um barry one thing that i want to ask you is that uh too often when you talk around uh mental health there's uh there's very often heavy and sad stories and I was wondering, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of kind of uplifting turns. And obviously, I don't want you to give any specific details, but it would be great if you could kind of give some listeners who maybe are interested in maybe getting their son involved or their daughter involved or even themselves involved, if you could talk about kind of a, a, a process for one or the two of the people that you've been working with. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think at the moment... I mean, the first thing I'd say is for for anyone listening who who does have someone in mind who you think like outdoor therapeutic activities would be a benefit to them. It's it's there's there's lots of organisations emerging. It's a really interesting space in Ireland at the moment. Um, so I'd say you know get online and find out who your local who who the most local organisation. There's there's a great crowd down in the southeast called Active Connections. They also operate up around Dublin and Cork, Kerry. You've you've new wave adventure project down kind of in in Kerry and Limerick, work up Mayo, Galway, Connacht region. So there's and then and then that's just the kind of land based organisations. You've Liquid Therapy up in Donegal that do surf therapy and surf the heel down in Cork who do surf therapy as well. And you've Sailing to Wellness who do this type of work out in boats. And Mehel Mara, who who do it on Curragh. So, what I suggest is go find 
the local organization um to you and most of us it's such a it's such a niche um type of intervention and service that we offer that not many of the organizations have tried to go national because it's such a specific skill set that we're all operating within our own jurisdiction if you like the second thing i'd say is you know it's probably it's 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 you could argue it's for everyone but i i i, I still think it has to be for the right person at the right time um i've mentioned a few of the cohorts that this works really well for young men who are traditionally resistant to talk therapy you know getting them outdoors and doing stuff and 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 seeing if the if the wall you know if you can get behind a curtain or get behind a wall a little bit um so so really giving it a bit of thought is this the right is this the right intervention for the person i have in mind and um you know do they like elements of the outdoors anyway naturally and are they up you know are, are there elements of the personality that's drawn to challenge and risk and and danger and maybe maybe this is the kind of the key the way in that they haven't met counselors that have done it for them or they haven't been able to build a relationship in that manner but going out with an adventure therapist you might find that they like you know it's the activity is what draws them in and before they know it they're actually talking and they're getting the help that they need but it's the activity really that got them there in the first place um like some of the some of the the stories i mean they're very much based around um around that idea of working with people who until they kind of came away with us or linked in with our services they would have spoken about not being able to find something that would help them um maybe they weren't able to to link with a counselor or a therapist purely because the the, the setting that they were in they were they didn't like making eye contact. They they felt uncomfortable in a one to one scenario in a in a in a room. But they came out and you know before they knew it, they were engaging in an activity. They were shoulder to shoulder with a guide, and they found out a lot a lot more you know a lot more um receptive to to the way they are and 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 the way that they like to communicate. So we've had loads of participants that have reported, you know, that we've done this type of stuff before. And none of us, none of us had any impact. But out here, it's different. And I remember one guy in particular on a, on an expedition saying exactly that: that he he'd come through treatment and he hadn't really enjoyed the process. But when he was out surrounded by the hills, we were delivering something very similar a workshop on effective behaviours. I think, and he was like, "I've done all of this, but it's just hitting a different chord right now because I'm here, and it just feels like." I'm 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 having completely different thoughts, or I'm thinking a little bit more deeply on it. Um, so those type of those type of stories wouldn't wouldn't be uncommon that for, for people who have, you know, the same information that they would have had in the past, but it's just it's just landing differently. Um, but yeah, I I I think I think recognizing the the fit, you know, when you think of therapy and counseling. It's around what is the right intervention for that person at that time with which therapist or counselor and um and yeah it's 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 not it's not for everyone i w- I would say that it's really important that whatever we we design for an individual is 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 pitched at the right the right level, so you don't want to set somebody up to fail um you don't want to put a challenge in front of them that they can't overcome if you if you put a challenge in front of them where 
um, it's not a challenge. Well, then they're not going to learn anything from it either. So it's a really, it's a really fine line, and you need to balance that piece quite well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see in 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 the next couple of years which organisations emerge in this area, uh, and and hopefully there'll be a little bit of uniformity around the qualifications because I see that as being a, pot- a potential pitfall for 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 adventure therapy as as a whole if 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 people are practicing it without the kind of the the skills to recognize what is the right level of challenge and what is the right activities i should be bringing these people on barry i just wanted to uh just jump in i'm just wary of the fact that and i feel like um, with adventure therapy and maybe this is my own bias talking but you know we've spoken a lot about lads how they can kind of you know you give them the knife and the fire and they're like oh yeah. and the adventure that 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 these boys need kind of to get them talking um and some people may pigeonhole adventure therapy specifically for for you know for blokes basically oh so yeah wilderness automatically the imagery is like of this neanderthal out there in the wilderness whatever else. but i wonder if like if you could talk to us a bit about not necessarily stories, but just how how as well it, it hits um girls or, or kind of young or young women as well differently, and how maybe like you're saying how you have to kind of tailor certain things for certain people. Obviously, I'm obviously of course we're all different here. Um, but how also that adventure therapy is also very much a thing for for women and, and girls as well. It's not like yeah, you because know, I feel like there's a lot of thing whereby they might almost feel intimidated. You know, oh that's a it's a blokey thing with the knives and the fire. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll stick to my four walls here. Whereas actually they could almost in a way benefit potentially even more so because it's something maybe that they're not allowed to do or open to do or whatever, because of the kind of stereotypes that we kind of put these people in. Yeah. I, like if we were to break down the, the, the genders we've engaged numbers wise, it's probably 80 to 90% young men and somewhere between 10 to 20% young young women who've engaged in, in the expeditions, the one-to-one supports that we offer. And uh, for some of the older, so some, of the, some of the groups where we have older participants, um, we do a little bit of work with Mental Health Ireland. There's, there's a, an initiative called Woodlands for Wellness, and we get quite a few females on that one. Um, but that's a little bit more slow-paced, and there's less emphasis on the adventure adrenaline side of it so it's just the nature of the way our organization has evolved um the funding that was available i suppose and the need that we identified which was very much you know services saying to us we just have all these you know young men who won't talk to a counselor who won't engage in these groups that we're offering and the female the females that they had on the books were were more receptive. They were they were able to talk in a in a in a traditional setting, and um, they were interested or they were available to join interests and hobby groups, and they recognised the benefits of it. And um and look, that's an age old an age old issue, I suppose that you know men find it a little bit more difficult to engage in those type of activities. Um, so for the females that we have engaged, it's it's just ever so slightly different activities for 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 some um and again it, it is you know about tapping into what their interests are so i suppose i'm just thinking of some of the female guys that deliver the one to one stuff they they like to engage more in nature arts based type of pro projects um practicing mindfulness using hammocks 
um, gentle walks, more kind of nature engagement. So if you can imagine, it's and again, it's I'm I'm giving you kind of stereotypical kind of examples here. There'll be uh, to be anomalies there where we've had loads of females who come on the expeditions with us, and 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 they love all the the adrenaline side of things and the adventure side of things. But uh, but I I think there's activities there, and there's different approaches to suit whoever you have in front of you. We started bringing in um, stand-up paddleboarding in the last year. And again, it's just this really gentle activity. You feel like you're kind of, you're, you're embarking on, a, on an adventure, but it, but it lacks the kind of big wave surfing and the possibility of getting yourself injured and, and you don't need a huge level of skill. So that was a lovely activity that we just felt you know, didn't matter whether you were um, male, female, whether you were drawn to the adventure challenge side of things. It was just an activity that everybody could engage with. Um, so I, th- I look, I think it's just it's just our the way we've evolved as an organisation that we're predominantly working with, with with men, but like it just it translates equally well, and and then, and then sometimes as well, I think. Um, for some of the some of the girls who might have been referred to us, or some of the young women, um, the idea of we, you know, the number of kind of participants or potential participants that the wilderness expeditions would be pitched towards would would probably be similar, male and female. But it's the it's the males who are coming forward saying, yes, I like the sound of that, I want to try it. Um, but we've had loads of feedback from 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 let's say the probation services, for instance. They would have said, look, we've loads of girls, but they don't want to go camping. You know, can you do this as a residential in a hostel and do all the other activities, but just don't have the, you know, overnight camping in, you know, in the mountains where there's no access to toilets Um, you know, hygiene is a is is a, is an issue for a lot of people who wouldn't be used to being in the mountains. So that's completely understandable. And and I think that does kind of maybe answer partly why we have mostly men coming on the expeditions but certainly the one-to-one stuff that we deliver um the young lads just seem to be more attracted yeah they put their hands up and say i'll give that a a shot and there seem to be other services and interventions for women that just you know it's 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 not as um we're we're not getting as many of of that cohort interested does that answer your question seb i'm i'm not sure again it's it's a yeah, no, absolutely does. Like, like Jim and I always say, the more the guest talks and the less we do, the better the podcast will be. So don't worry about <laughs> going off on tangents and uh, and answering the question three different million ways. We're more than happy to sit here and listen. And yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes complete sense. And like you say, the precautions, for example, about the hygiene and 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 such, like. Yeah, lads, it's easy to kind of you know, for four or five days, you know, have a shower, whatever it is, what it is. Whereas, obviously, you know, women have to have certain different precautions and, and maybe even like the safety element as well kind of comes into things, you know, where being in a tent where maybe anyone can come in and whatever the case, whereas rather than being in a hostel, having that security is also another thing that factors in, right? But yeah, it makes complete sense. But hopefully, I think uh, hopefully more and more um, women can get onto it because I'm sure, like you say, there's so many different aspects to it. It's not all just, you know, mad jumping off cliffs and all the rest of it. That I'm sure that, so, that they could also benefit of it hugely. So uh, hopefully, here's to hoping. It's it's really interesting as well that like when you mix the genders on these expeditions, that like uh, it hugely adds to the process. We see it like we see the lads. Um, it, 
taken on so much more just it's just a female input to the to the group discussions so we we really encourage it you know if we've got seven lads and three girls on an expedition which would probably be the norm um it's it's completely different than having just a group of 10 lads it's it's just slightly now not not hugely different but um they they just see things slightly differently quite often. They add like a, a a softer touch to the conversation. They bring in aspects that maybe we as facilitators and the participants certainly hadn't hadn't thought of. Um and yeah, but again, like I'm really cognizant not to generalize the genders because yeah. we, we, we get all types of people on the on the yeah. programs as well. And, I, and I'm really gra- glad you said that because I mean what I I've benefited from that myself in the sense of I have a lot of girlfriends, you know, um, that I talk to and because I enjoy female company because it brings out, like you say, a different type of conversation. One Jim and I, when we kind of first connected, I think one of the things that we kind of both found while I talked about myself was that I was having conversations with Jim that maybe I was more used to having with a girl, just in the sense of the sensitivity about certain subjects, right? Because with blokes, there's always, to some extent, it feels like there's always some le- some wall, like you say, some iron curtain that we're not really f- pulling back the whole way, right? And having that kind of female energy, it does change things. And I personally have benefited from it hugely in my own life. Um, and mm. it's something that when you hear kind of a lot of lads, they, they don't have that. They don't have that kind of, maybe they might have a girlfriend, maybe, but other than that, maybe they might, might not have a lot of female um, kind of interaction, right? And I always find it really sad when I, I've got a lot of friends who say, Oh, and I haven't got any like friends that are girls. Like all my mates, are just, all, all the lads. It's like, oh man, like I, just from me, I'm like, oh, you're missing out so much, honestly, because it does. It brings out a different side to you. There's conversations that I have with my girlfriends that, in a million, I just know it's not possible with the lads. It's just, it's, it's just a thing. You know what I mean? She's like, listen, it's, uh, it's what it is what it is. You're missing out in a completely different uh, perspective. Um, 100%. So, but 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 it's saying that I like I'd like to think that we deliver activities to whoever's in front of us. So we don't have a playbook for female, you know, forest activities and like it's just this is what this person is into. Um, they enjoy the less kind of adrenaline energy filled activities and that's what we're going to deliver. So there's plenty of lads as well uh, who come through the various programs we deliver and we're like, you know what, they just wanted to chill out in the hammock, drink a hot chocolate, put the Kelly kettle on and have a chat. Mm. And um so yeah, again, I, I was just touching on that idea of of making generalizations around, and um, so so yeah, but but yeah, I think your original question was, do, does it change slightly depending on the gender? And mm. absolutely, like there's there's generalizations you can make, but it's certainly not the rule. Yeah, and I just wanted to ask quickly, um, you know, we talk about how nature um, affects us, and I think a lot of us who kind of even if it's just you get to your local park, if that's what it is, we all kind of feel that intrinsic. And benefit when we come back home wherever it may be we had a, a guest on a while back um, Meg Olmer and she kind of delved in she delved into the connection that the human the human spirit has with animals right and how, you know people have dogs for example or any type of pet to be quite honest they'll talk to you about how they, they can't like you were saying before about the black box right you can't necessarily say exactly what it is about your pet that makes you feel better uh, or, or why it's different to human energy but for whatever reason there's that there is that connection between human and animals that again um, facilitates a different opening a different connection and i was wondering obviously i know you know ireland's not famed for its exotic animals but whilst you're out in the wilderness do you kind of is there kind of a any cognizant interaction or like even if it's just like oh 
here, here are these birds and you're kind of recognizing certain bird sounds or whatever it may be where however people might kind of just not even that doesn't even enter their brain until you kind of like point it out to them or you know whatever it may be does that do you ever is that is that a part of the of the uh of the system yeah i think um i think that idea of stripping everything back is a really important element of bringing people out there so whether it's animals or whether it's plants or something scenic like you'd stop with a group and someone would point something out and, and you could end up sitting down for five minutes as a group and you're looking at a waterfall or something and it's there's something other like you just wouldn't you wouldn't take that time it's a slow pace uh while we have somewhere to get to we're not in a rush to do it um if there are like loads of sheep around Connemara where we are like you know they're always a point of fascination for people who live in the cities and um there's not there's not a huge amount of of wildlife now in Connemara we don't have like you know, falcons and eagles and lots of bird life and stuff like that. But I think um, we are surrounded by these massive mountains in the Twelve Bends and the Mam Turks and 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 the the, the Mam Tras and the mountain range. And there's something just bigger than us represented in those mountains when you're out there. So it's a combination of stripping it all back to you. Just have your food. You're sleeping in a sleep mag in a tent. You walk in this trail with a group of people and you're surrounded by a constant reminder that you're just this small cog and your worries are actually, you know, while they're they're big in your head, if you get them out of your head, um it's there's there's not much to it, you know, and, and that's that's not downplaying people's problems. But I think what we've had is people come out with us and just talk about their stress levels and their anxiety levels. Once they're out and they step off the bus and they start walking, they're like, I just feel like there's a I'm carrying the 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 the, the most weight I have carried in my life in this bag, but I feel like um I've a weight off my shoulders metaphorically, which is there's an irony in that, you know. But um so when you talk about, you know, the connection to nature, I think the wilderness piece is very much that just the, the the vastness of the scenery and the fact you don't see cars and trucks and people and phones and technology. And it really just puts people's mind and their head in a different place. And it's, I think it's, it's back to the basics, maybe somewhat appreciating the basics of, of, of what we need to survive mm-hmm. and where's where the source of some of our issues have come from and the vastness of, of, of what we're surrounded by. Um, it just puts things in perspective, I think. Mm. Barry, uh, I'm reminded of uh, I had this special uh, camping trip uh, last September in in Scotland, and it was five days, and we agreed to get rid of watches and phones. So we actually had no idea of the time for five days. So we just knew when it was bright and it was getting dark and it was bright getting dark. And it was just this amazing, it was almost like, you don't realize you've been confined by the clock. And then when you get released from the clock, you're just like, wow, this is amazing. And, and you know, there was like a joke between us, like second or third to her day. You're like, oh, what time is it? It doesn't matter what time it is. You know, it's yeah. just like, you're here. Um, and that it was just reminding me. 
years ago in, in uh, traveling in India and someone came onto the beach and said, lads, does anybody know what day it is? And there must have been five people there who's just like, having a clue. But on our expeditions, we divvy out roles. And one of the roles each day to give participants ownership over the process is the role of timekeeper. So usually what happens is people will agree not to use their phone for the five days. But there are some who just like, no, I just need it. And we conveniently pick locations where there's no reception anyway. So the phone is working so hard. The battery usually dies after about six hours anyway. But that would have been their sole source of reading the time, which was their their phone. So very few people actually wear watches, which is my realization over the last couple of years delivering the expeditions. So one person gets like the famous Casio watch to wear. And whenever anybody wants to know the time, they ask them. And then what you find actually as the days go on, people are asking less and less. And every now and again, the timekeeper's job is to, to, to mark, right, guys, lunches at this time, and we're going to check in at this time. And... Again, it's just one less problem that they need to worry about. But as you said, there's something lovely about it's just, you know, we're just doing this journey. It doesn't actually matter when it gets dark, it'll get dark. When it's time to get up, it'll get up. And um, but fair play to you. Did you have a flight to catch? <laughs> no, we agreed that we would leave in the morning time at on the fifth day. So we, 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 yeah, we were all, we were all, I think. We had nowhere to be that day, really. We just had to leave the mountain range. That was fun. That's great. Uh, we we yeah. did um, we did one expedition. We were funded there this year through Coca Cola, which was lovely. They did a they had an initiative called the Thank You Fund, and um, they wanted us to bring out a group of young adults who weren't in full-time education training and employment so it was an 18 to 24 25 year old cohort which while we always have that age group on our expeditions it's unusual to have a full group of just that age group um we'd normally have a couple of 40 year olds in there who are coming from treatment and which is nice because there's a real mix of kind of life experience and they can share and stuff but this particular expedition, there were um, there were 12, 22, 23 year olds. And at the end of the um, at the end of the expedition, the, the feedback was how they realized how little, how how present they hadn't been. I'm, I don't know how I'm wording that, how um, how mindful they were during the week with us and how present they were in each other's company. But they hadn't ever experienced that because they had always had their phone in their hand checking facts and adding to the conversation where actually for the few days they were with us they just were in each other's company um not distracted not trying to look something up to add to the it was just a really interesting feedback and um and they all agreed they were all like yeah i don't know how i'm gonna I don't know how I'm going to incorporate this back into my life when I go back. Um, I just thought it was fascinating, you know, that age group. I'll jump in here because it's actually interesting you bring that in because I was having a thinking about today and I was going to, well, we were catching up just before the podcast, Jim and I, and I was going to give him kudos. Um, maybe incorrectly, I can't remember if it was Jim who who gave me this piece of wisdom, but it normally is. But um, I remember someone was telling me about um, kind of how how we've got rid of boredom right in society uh, and and i say that in in a good way even though obviously we always say boredom in a bad way right but when you're in when you're in nature the way that i'm using boredom here is that in the sense of how you're not disturbed by anything right so you have this 
quote unquote a sense of boredom there's you're just you can, your mind can just run free and it can be occupied by what's out there right and and I, I, I normally what do we do when you're on the bus on the way to work or school or whatever it is you put your headphones on the music and then you listen to the music and whatever and just just i swear to god today i thought you know what i'm just gonna not put i was running through my bag i was about to put my headphones on and i thought nah i'll just i'll just won't put my headphones on on a 45 minute bus back home from work and i was just looking out the window i was just looking at the people coming onto the bus just noticing their interactions there's a woman behind me just talking telling a whole life story which obviously if i had my you know and all these things you're like i would have never noticed all these things on the same bus journey that i take a million uh, you know, a million times in a year um and i think how you're saying how can we replicate that i think in, in our normal kind of day-to-day life i think in a way intro- reintroducing boredom and i use again i use that in the positive sense of the word if that is possible reintroducing boredom into our lives into our daily lives getting rid of these constant distractions um you know the phone i i i noticed two or three times i without even thinking just instinctively unlocked my phone i didn't even think about the passcode i unlocked my phone twitter straight away my thumb just did it naturally and i had to cognitively go no no put that down you're you're trying to actively be bored on this journey home right um and i think that's what nature does like you're saying that it kills the phone because there's no the battery runs out eventually sooner or later it will run out you've got no phone there there's no twitter to log into there is no so there's no music as a, as a result and so on and so forth and then you're just forced to take in what your surroundings are offering and we can mm. do that in a cityscape it's just it's not forced upon us so we have to be the protagonist in that action rather than in nature nature goes listen lad sit down because i'm going to be the protagonist i'll make you listen to me Whereas when it's in the cityscape, it's like the other way around. We have to, and that's obviously harder, right? To take the responsibility. And obviously I'm not going to say I'm going to do this every single bus journey, but it was interesting just the differences that I noticed. And I remember thinking, oh man, I'm I'm sure it was Jim that told me about it. And uh, yeah, so when you brought it up, I was like, I think that's a way that we could kind of reintroduce that kind of being present and like, let, how do, how am I feeling on this bus journey? Why is when that woman talking? What does that kind of stir in me? Am I getting annoyed? Why am I getting annoyed? When I see this, like, I saw this like young couple and they were like, I don't know, like 20. And it just kind of reminded me of me and my girlfriend when they, we were like 20. And I would have never even looked at them if I was in my phone. I would have just been there with my headphones being like, oh, when am I getting home, right? And all these little things, I was like, yeah, man. And so when you brought that up, I just thought I had to kind of butt in and uh, put there's, in my um, two pence worth. There's, like, there's lots of research in this area if you go down that rabbit hole around, um, you know, the, the benefits of spending time in nature for attention for you know attention span for uh, emotional regulation for stress levels you know they've actually empirically tested through you know heart rate blood pressure all that sort of stuff and so they've they've described just looking at nature as a soft fascinator so you see people get up to the top of a mountain and they just sit there and they just look at the vista for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, there mightn't be anything there other than just the vastness of what it is that they're looking at. Um, and they reckon that does the exact opposite to, you know, to, to your, to, to whatever's going on in your, 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 your brain physiologically, the exact opposite to looking at a screen or to being engaged in something technology linked or, um, so the idea just, if people, during their lunch break, if they're working in an office, 
to go to the local park and don't go on their phone and just sit there 20 minutes um go into the forest and you know if if you can buy a 15 euro hammock from Aldi and chill out and and, and look at the canopy from from upside down for 10 or 15 minutes you go back to work as completely different minds mind frame completely different perspective um much more much fresher rejuvenated energized so i think there's i think there's so i, I think people know this naturally but the temptation to take your phone out if it's just there with everything you need your music your podcasts your updated news you know if you're into sports you can you, you fill your glass with like every type of update all all week long but um so it's it's almost easier to keep doing that it's it's the hard thing now is to go and sit in the park bench for 15 minutes and take all that in but actually the the the, the flip side of that is you come back much more energized with, with, with like better attention more aware. Things like, much more aware and um more grounded um simple things like that i think is is it's huge so yeah you can kind of put the phone in your pocket for a little while it's it goes hand in hand i think with what we do we don't make a big deal of it at this point it just goes hand in hand i think mm-hmm. what is lovely i'll i'll i mean on the phone just one last thing on the phone we do a project with a local school it's like a desh school um, if you're not familiar with the desh schools, it's like they're they're funded through the government. They're in disadvantaged areas, so we were funded by our local sports council to go in and work with a couple of students that were having school attendance issues. And for an hour and a half, we bring them into the woods, and they don't even look at their phone. And the teachers are like, we can't get them off the phone in the classroom. They will not listen to they'll be on the phone. We have to confiscate the phone. They come out with us and they sit around the fire and we give them a, like a little bushcraft knife to do some whittling or they sit in their hammocks. And um, but there's no phones. So it's it's giving them something different and um, something more attractive or something which they're interested in that that isn't the phone. It's a hard one, you know. It's, it's so hard they, they, they unfortunately they run our lives and there's this thirst to be first right it's like can someone's been sacked the manager of man united's been sacked i need to know about it first well, actually it doesn't make any difference if you found out the minute you get sacked or when you get home and you put the news on he's still sacked either way it hasn't changed your days you know what i mean but there's this there is this thirst yeah. and like you say it makes you so much more aware and if you can kind of just take that step back and and, and kind of just watch what's going around you there's you know in spain you always see the uh the typical kind of like granddad who just sits on a bench in <laughs> center of madrid and i swear they're there the whole day and they just don't yeah. move and they're just people watching that's all they're doing they're just watching the world go by um and i think there's a certain like beauty to that that maybe we could kind of all learn from and obviously listen i think it's obviously better and, and more kind of intrinsic if you can do that in nature but for the people who maybe find it harder to get out there especially say on the monday to friday when you you know you kind of got your daily routines there is still you can still like see beauty and see kind of like you know connections like human connections that you wouldn't even pay attention to that kind of can also fill you up with all that good energy right um um but yes it's a lot harder in the cityscape than it Mm. is definitely in nature for sure you can have another podcast just about phones really you know (laughs) it's it's such a wormhole to get into (laughs) Well, we might have to do that, Barry. The next one. The next one. Uh, just before you go, Barry, I have two more quick ones. One is um, you mentioned earlier that uh, up until very recently, there was kind of a gap in the demonstrable research 
uh, around the benefits of uh, spending time in, in nature, particularly in regards to youth work. Um, and I was just interested to know then what are you what have you guys shown like what have you guys found like and how did you measure it um so the 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 research field at the moment is it's there's loads of research loads of modern contemporary research to show the benefits of spending time in nature and the the link between nature and our health and well-being that's that's like that's now proven and it's there and i i suppose almost to the point where i'm sure people researchers have moved on now but that would have been the last 10 or 15 years it would have been really big area of, of study um the field of adventure therapy continues to and it's probably um it's probably still somewhat vague because the theory of change varies from program to program and there's so many really kind of strong variables linked to different people's practice that it's not just one area that people can point to say well if we do this this is what's going to happen and that's the reason it happens uh, so i think what's happening in the, the the field of research for adventure therapy is there's just lots more uh bits and pieces coming in that add to a bigger picture to say this actually works um for us i mean we're, we're seeing it all on the ground we're seeing it we're seeing it happen like we're seeing how for the right individual, this type of intervention is is exactly what they need. Uh, the types of cohorts that I described earlier, um, when they engage with with this type of approach, they they open up and they start talking where they wouldn't have had um in the past. And why that is, it varies from one individual to the other. Um, I, I think a big part of it is, like any like any support service, I think it's. It's it's down to people a lot of the time who's actually delivering it. So the relationship that the participant has with the guide is massively important. Um and maybe um maybe in the past what's been there's there's this kind of search for the holy grail. What is it about adventure therapy that works? Can we just put our finger on it? I think what we're probably coming to a realization that adventure therapy just works like other forms of therapy but does it work it doesn't work for everybody it needs to be for the right person at the right time um and it'll work so it's not the type of intervention that just gets rolled out widely and like everyone needs to do this it's more well look this is exactly the type of therapy you need right now and someone else might need something to do with art therapy or dance therapy or for kids maybe it's type of play therapy and um so i i think what i'm what i'm learning is um that some people come through our programs and they just thrive and excel and it's exactly what they needed and then others try it and you know it mightn't it mightn't be what what's the big change for them or it mightn't be just at the right time. But I'm less focused now on the variables of adventure therapy and, and the type of work that we deliver, and much more on, you know, where is this person at this moment? And a little bit like Seb was asking, do we vary the, the, the types of activities for girls and, you know, males and females? I think the needs assessment that we do at the start, um, if we can be really kind of, in tune with what they need then we can we can offer them something that will help them at that particular time rather than just rolling out the same program 
for every participant that comes comes through the door. So hopefully hopefully the research field will get to a point where there's less focus on can we just find the the, the nugget that will kind of open the key or or sorry open the key that'll open the door that will explain why adventure therapy works. And once we can once we can demonstrate that then the funders will roll in behind it. It's more like let's just um let's get to a point where it's accepted that it does work. And it's around identifying the type, you know, the people who need it at that particular time. Beautiful. Thanks, Barry. Um, Seb, do you have a question? I just have one to close. No, you're good. Uh, Barry, before before we let you go, uh, interesting question. What lesson is life teaching you right now? It's a good question. Um, I've I've two young kids. I'm. I'm really starting to recognize the value of really small actions and and a and a really uh, a really well shaped long term goal and the, and how the little the seeds that you plant it, it, you know that that the, the small steps that you take in in the right direction um they all add up as time goes on and to, to be patient with that. So it's a, so hard work and perseverance and all those kind of buzzwords around, um, you know, building something and creating a strong foundation that it's amazing how long it takes, but it's amazing how quick you see the results. So for anyone listening, I just say, you know, figure out what direction you want to go and start putting the hard work in. And every little step you take towards it, quite often we don't, we don't stop and look back to see how far we've gone that actually we're so focused on how far we have to go that I, you know, these little steps, if you take time out to, to look back and realize, geez, I've all those little steps I took, you know, they add up and um, probably didn't appreciate that when I was younger, you know, that, you know, that actually perseverance and patience, they go kind of hand in hand. Um, so yeah, keep moving in that direction and don't worry if the steps are small. Love that. One thing Thanks, I'll man. say, lads, I don't know when um when this gets aired, but we're having a really um it it, it the field of adventure therapy or we call it like uh outdoor education and, and adventure therapy. The field is is quite an exciting space at the moment, as I said. So we've come together with, with nine other organizations across the country and we've created uh, what we call the outdoor therapeutic activity providers network it's a bit of a mouthful um outdoor therapeutic activity providers network and it brings together all those organizations i mentioned earlier you know the active connections the the the, the new wave salient wellness liquid therapy kumara wilderness um i probably left out a couple there um on the on the 10th of november this year up in castle bar we're having a big conference um, we have some international guest speakers coming in uh, who'd be really well known. And it's just going to be for anyone who's interested in this field, who want to learn a little bit more, meet some of the organizations who are practicing on the ground. There's, it's a free event. It's up in, in, in the college in ATU. Uh, they have the master's at the moment in outdoor education, which also has elements of adventure therapy. So it's just really nice to see the, the, the industry, if you like, coming together collectively. So I'd recommend anyone who's listening to, to go on to Eventbrite. You can pick up your tickets. It's all, as I said, it's free, but it's limited capacity. 
And um, yeah, you get to meet us, ask questions, learn a little bit more about our practice, how you can get involved, what training you need to, 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 to work in this industry. And in the run up to November 10th, there's going to be a, a free online talk each Thursday for five weeks. So we have um, the likes of Ben Knowles, who's like a leading adventure therapist from Australia. And we've leading practitioners from the US to UK. They're coming on. They're giving free talks each evening for five Thursdays in a run up to November 10th. All completely free. You just book your tickets through Eventbrite. And yeah, hopefully we can just spread the word around this approach and get more buy in and for people to understand the value of it and um, and just just to get as many people accessing it as possible. Thanks for that, Barry. Absolutely. We'll share the link to Venture Out and the Eventbrite links in the show description. Thanks, lads. That was great. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for your time. 